You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker coming to you from the secret library of the Connected Universe. Yeah, we are back at you on a little bit more of a regular basis here. I know, just coming out of that long break from the holidays, we were around for a few weeks, and boom, wouldn't you know it, I was off going to Egypt. But I uh, have been able to put together a couple of classes here that have been very uh, ancient Egypt-centric, that seems like many of you have been enjoying because I've been getting a lot of great feedback from many of you out there. So for those listening to the podcast version of this later, I invite you to please join us every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time for the full Connecting the Universe experience on ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Now, there's a free day, uh, a free 30-day trial to all of this, uh, which gives you, of course, the Connecting the Universe live interactive class, uh, of which you're listening to a recording of right now. And that is every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. You get the full video presentation, the slideshow, all of those wonderful things that you're going to hear on this, but not necessarily, uh, well, you're not going to see through uh, your app or your radio or whatever. But you also get uh, access to sneak peek and behind-the-scenes videos, monthly Q&A videos, exclusive articles, inside, insider video travel blogs like Ancient Egypt, which is going to be greatly expanded here very soon, American Southwest, Ireland, and more. All of this and more at ConnectedUniversePortal.com. All right, so let's go ahead and get into tonight's class, which is on specifically the hidden secrets of the Great Pyramid of Giza. So last week we did a recap of the ancient, uh, or the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. And that covered a number of different areas. I really kind of steered away from the Great Pyramid though, because I wanted a singular specific class on just the Great Pyramid itself, because there is so much going on in and around the Great Pyramid uh, it's crazy. It's insane. And we're going to cover a lot of those things this evening. All right. So for tonight's Connecting the Universe class question, I asked, what secrets hidden in the Great Pyramid do you believe have yet to be revealed? And uh, Jen chimed in on that, Jen Frillabay. I think there are more chambers in that pyramid, hopefully with the ancient machinery intact. Yes, hopefully with the ancient machinery intact. And when we get into some of these clips that we're going to play this evening, um, Mohammed Ibrahim, whose uh, company, uh, Saba Tours, and 
Muhammad is known as the guide of Egypt. Uh, you're going to hear him uh, talk about some of these different things, about some of the hidden chambers and other chambers that are yet to be discovered. So there are more in there. Uh, we will talk a little bit about the uh, the newly discovered chamber there uh, as well. So the one that was found above the uh, uh, the lintel to the original entrance. We'll talk about all of those sorts of things. So uh, let's take a quick look here. Uh, we saw this before the uh, the Giza Plateau, kind of the way it's laid out, and then the uh, city of Giza that is encroaching upon the entire site and actually back behind that as well. Uh, basically, the, uh, the Giza Necropolis or the Giza Plateau is going to be surrounded by city. Um, I don't know where they're going to get the water. We talked about that last week. Uh, but let's take a look at just first of all a uh, general look at the Great Pyramid. So this is from uh, Christopher Dunn's Giza Power Plant, and uh, you can kind of see how he's laid out here uh, the different the different chambers. Uh, Queen's Chamber he has listed as a reaction chamber. Uh, the King's Chamber, resonant quartzite chamber. You have the uh, uh, the Grand Gallery, and, and really what I you know, I do believe just straight up as we start this thing, I do believe that the Great Pyramid of Giza was some sort of machine. Was it a power plant? I don't know. Now, I do believe that the Great Pyramid, as well as many sites all over the globe that are built on those uh, those energy nodes, the, the crossings of the telluric currents of the Earth, I do believe that they are harnessing the earth energy and using that. We've talked about that in our earth energy classes. I'm not going to get into all of that tonight. So I do believe that this was some sort of machine. And as we uh, go through the evening, you're, you're going to see uh, quite a bit of that. But really, I just want to kind of uh, throw this particular slide up here so you get an idea of the, the layout of the, interior, of the interior workings. And if you look closely, the king's chamber, which is supposed to be the most prominent uh, feature within this structure, and it's supposed to have these uh, uh, these chambers that are supposed to displace the weight, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not even lined up in the middle of the pyramid. It's off to the one side. And the, uh, the queen's chamber, which doesn't have all of these displacement features that you know, the traditional archaeologists would like to tell you is lower in the pyramid with more weight on it and does not have um, all of those other structures and features. So we'll get into much of that as we go through the pyramid. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this whole thing. We're going to do a virtual walkthrough of the Great Pyramid of Giza. We're going to take it room by room. So starting with, of course, if we are going to start anywhere, when you walk into it, well, that's at the entrance. And so that's where we're starting. We're starting at the entrance. Now, the way that you get into the uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza is through what they call the robber's entrance, which is uh, uh, Al-Mamun's breach is basically what they call it. Now, the original entrance, and this illustration here really just kind of doesn't do it justice, uh, per se, because the... Uh, the robber's entrance is kind of offset to the right. And this illustration makes the robber's entrance and the original entrance almost like right on top of each other. But it's offset to the right, which is important because as you go through that 
entrance, you see that it curves around and somehow very perfectly and exactly hits right above the granite plug blocks that uh, basically block entrance from the descending passage to the ascending passage. So from the original entrance, you have to remember there were casing stones over the entire pyramid. So the original entrance used to not be seen because the, the casing stones were on top of it. That is an opening to the descending passage, which goes down into the subterranean chamber. And there are what they call granite plug blocks, uh, three of them, that uh, plug the uh, entrance to the passageway from that to the ascending passage. Somehow, the people who made the quote-unquote robber's entrance, which is attributed to Al Mamun, but we'll get into how that's controversial, uh, somehow they perfectly knew where to hit. So... There's something afoot here, and I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from uh, Mohammed explaining this uh, a little bit more. Shari, called Al Mamun, he sent his workers to find how to get inside the pyramid. Yeah. Okay. I, I believe that story is fake. And they decided that that spot there is going to lead them to here. So they start adding like vinegar, a kind of acids with fire. So they weaken the fabric of the stone and they keep digging. But if you realize when we are going out that they were going to their way perfectly. Mm -hmm. Even when they slightly moved off center a little bit, they made the curve to meet this point because they could go deeper. So they're going to go that way outside. No, they made it perfect. So did they have a map? Or this was already made before the enter, and this is all like a, that story is reproduction to an older story. So the pyramid was opened from the dynastic time, maybe before the dynastic time, but by uh, people who had great knowledge about what was happening inside the pyramid. And the only reason to do this is to take the, uh, the divisors. We think also that maybe there's another secret pyramid to secret entrance to the pyramid from the east side. Remember, I was pointing to a yeah, shadow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you don't know what is there. So many people think I'm one of them that there is underground uh, secret uh, chamber. Yeah. So Mohammed's going into detail there on that particular story of Mahmoud now. Did he have a map? Well, you got to think about when he would have broken into this thing, okay, which was about a thousand years ago. Now, the pyramids would have, I mean, it's, again, debated as to when they were actually built. But if, even if we go by the traditional dates, 4,000 years ago or what have you, or 4,000, oh, what's the official date? Yeah, I, off the top of my head, whatever. Um, we're talking thousands of years, okay? So is a map going to survive that long? Probably not, unless it was written in stone. We haven't found any sort of map of the pyramid written in stone. So this is why when Muhammad's talking about maybe it was the dynastics, maybe it was pre-dynastics, somebody with knowledge of the inner workings of the pyramid and where these passages were within 
the pyramid itself. So somebody had that knowledge. Don't really know why the story would have been attributed to Malmoon all those years later. Um, people believe that, okay, he may have come across it later on that uh, maybe when they removed the casing blocks, that passage was already there. But the idea that he somehow perfectly curved around and just by luck hit the ascending passageway in the right area does not make a lot of sense. And we're going to see in a little bit more detail uh, where these things line up with, with photographs and what have you. Do want to give some shout outs here first to uh, those that have joined us here within the class. Uh, Jen is with us as, as well as Lori, uh, Sarah Youssef as well, and Tom McNicholas. Great to see you all. Uh, Sarah's asking, why are those areas called Queens, uh, Kings and Queens Chambers? Uh, well, so if you look back at, I'm going to put our illustration uh, back up here. So the king's chamber is supposed to be the most prominent feature. Personally, I think it's the grand gallery, um, but you know it's it's at the highest point that we know of so far uh, within the uh, Great Pyramid. So they attribute that to the king, and there is the quote unquote coffer in there. Again, no body was ever found. Um, those of us that uh, you know, ascribe to the uh, alternative theories uh, do not believe that there was ever a body in there. Um, it was it was not a sarcophagus. We don't call it that. So coffer, box, something like that. The queen's chamber, there, there was never a box or anything like that within there, but it's at a uh, lower place, uh, lower height within the structure and yeah I, I get it it's it's kind of sexist so uh, if you have a if you have a king's chamber then the lower chamber will call the, the queen's chamber so here's a another illustration which we're going to use a little bit uh more here because we get kind of a, a closer up view of the entire structure we'll we'll uh revert back to this here from time to time so while we're talking about uh the entrance Let's go ahead and talk about that new discovery real quick. And so if we look at this here, and again, another one that uh, puts the robber's entrance right below the, uh, the original entrance. But basically what they uh, did here is they you know, drilled a little hole, put an endoscope uh, through it, and then discovered. And basically this is what they discovered. It is a... Uh, nine, nine and a half meter chamber uh, that basically goes straight back. And there's really not a lot in there. You know, there's no hieroglyphs. Of course, there are no hieroglyphs found throughout the, uh, the pyramids. So, I mean, basically what I think this is, I mean, yes, it's cool to find a new, you know, little opening or whatever uh, within the Great Pyramid of Giza. But let's take a look back at our... Uh, other photo here. I mean, it's basically, you see the way the lintels are created over the entranceway. And it's really just the architectural feature of that particular piece of construction. Um, you know, it, it, left a, it left a hole there. You know, kind of like 
you know, the way you might build a house these days with, you know, they're, you know, back behind the walls and, you know, above the ceiling and things like that. There's, there are these openings and that's just part of the, uh, the construction. So I, I think that's all this is. I don't think there was really any function uh, for this. And hey, if we find out some sort of function later on, now the traditionalists, because they still believe it was a tomb, um, I can't imagine what sort of function they could possibly come up with this. But if it does mean something for the machine capabilities of it, okay. But I, I really don't see that uh, as it is now. Okay, so let's move in past the entrance and go down to the subterranean chamber. Uh, basically, what you do as you come into the, uh, the, what they call the robber's entrance, you go from the ascending passage down to the descending passage. Basically, they've um, created a way around that, uh, those blocks so that you can you know, drop down. This is probably a better uh, illustration for that. So from where you see that yellow circle, uh, our, uh, I guess, modern Egyptians have basically dug a tunnel and there's some stairs there where you can walk down and hit that descending passage. And you will see that when we play the next video clip, which I will go ahead and do so now. So this clip will take us um, from the outside of the pyramid uh, down to the subterranean chamber and then uh, up to the queen's chamber. We'll, we'll talk about that here uh, shortly. Okay, we are here at the Great Pyramid, about to go inside. <laughs> so, we are now on our way down to the subterranean chamber. Even though we go up to the Green Gallery. And then the Queen's Chamber. We'll just look at the Queen's Chamber here. I mean, back in there, looks like he did. You can see kind of like rivulets. It's almost like molten. But then it's all blackened all the way up, especially back there, where you have all these little rivulets. All right, we'll come back to that. Uh, yeah, we'll come back to that with the Queen's Chamber on the vitrification of the stone and how uh, it's just scorched. We've talked about that quite a few times in the class here, uh, but we will come back to that a little bit uh, uh, later here. Of course, you saw the impressive Grand Gallery. We'll see some more of that later, and, and to me, that that's kind of really the most impressive feature of uh, the entire structure, at least that we know of so far. Uh, so the subterranean chamber I did bring a uh, little layout of it that I was able to dig up. What's interesting about this to me, um, no, it's, it is totally incomplete, okay? Um, you know, you can see here that there are you know, sections of it that are still very rough. Um, you can see, and you get an idea of, you know, the height on top of that, that one particular 
block there. And I call it a block, but basically it's just, you know, uncarved stone. Uh, but you can see the the chisel marks right there. And actually, you see there's, you know, there's Jin, you know, touching the ceiling. But that almost looks like a little chair there next to her, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really kind of uh, interesting. And then this is looking down. There's there's Usama. Now, Usama, he's one of Muhammad's guys. And this guy, he's always very, uh, you know, very dapper, very well-dressed. And somehow, someway, he will go crawling through these places like this and never get a speck of dust on him. It's like really, really impressive. And then where he's standing at there, that fenced off area is this pit that goes down like 30 feet and then just stops. There's nothing down there. Uh, you can also see here, you can see it in the layout as well, that directly across from the, uh, the passageway, the descending passageway that takes you into there, and the other side of the room is another tunnel that keeps going off. Uh, in, in that direction. So you can see uh, on in this photo on the left-hand side, there's the descending passageway. And then the right-hand side, it basically continues, but stops and dead ends to, into nothing. It's almost as if, you know, they dug out this long tunnel and then somewhere in the, in the middle, they decided, oh, this is where we want to start digging our room. Now, traditional archaeology uh, tries to say, well, this was going to be the original uh, burial location. And then they decided, no, we're going to build this huge, massive pyramid instead. Which seems really kind of strange and odd. Um, but that's, that's their story. Again, no explanation for the pit. No explanation for the continued uh, passageway. You know, it just, a lot of it doesn't, just doesn't make sense as far as that story. Now, when you look at Christopher Dunn's idea here, um, his subterranean chamber is basically part of a drain system. Um, you know, with, to me, the, uh, the interesting section here is this part where the Grand Gallery, the drain, the ascending passage, and then the passage that takes you to the Queen's Chamber all meet up. That's like a very, very important point to me. So from the subterranean chamber, you go back up. And again, in that video, you, you saw where we took those stairs down from the, uh, from the ascending passage to get into the descending passage. Couldn't really see it too well there, but um, this is... This photo here are the stairs that were put in place by, uh, you know, by our modern society to take you from the robber's tunnel up to the ascending passage. And the ascending passage leads up to the, um, that leads up to the Grand Gallery. You can see just barely there on the uh, left-hand side, one of those granite plugs. And then you can just barely see in the lower uh, left-hand corner, the railing to the stairs that takes you down to the descending passage, okay? Now, if you keep taking that ascending passage to the left, because that's, it's heading down there, or the descending passage is actually on its way up at, at that point. Again, if you look at our illustration here, you know, they have that 
uh, moment where they connect, where the one is going down and the one is going up. And these are those blocks that are plugging it up to prevent passage from the descending, uh, the descending passage to the ascending passage. And somehow the robbers knew, what they say the robbers, somehow they knew to hit this in the exact right point where you could get to the ascending passage and into the grand gallery and the rest of it. And then, hey, we'll just, you know, uh, dig a tunnel to the descending passage. Just doesn't, again, does not make sense. Um, we take that then to the grand gallery. We will come back to the grand gallery. I'm not going to spend uh, time on it now, but but we will. We'll get back there. Let's get into the queen's chamber from there. Okay, now, uh, it's talked about it before with this niche that's in the queen's chamber. And if we look at our illustration here, what's really, really fascinating is that the top or the center of the um, of the queen's chamber lines up, and you can see where it's peaked. It has that you know peaked ceiling here. Okay, you can see that sort of in in this photo. If we look at the illustration, you can see where that peak lines up perfectly, where the grand gallery and the antechamber, the antechamber to the king's chamber, meet up and then keep going straight down the entrance to the subterranean chamber off the descending passage uh, picks up. So that, that is really some fantastic precision there. You know, really quite amazing that they were able to line all of that up. So, you know, is that why, uh, you know, the subterranean chamber was, was built where it was, you know, it almost makes you wonder, okay, you know, they, they tunneled out this, this passageway underneath uh, what, what was going to be the pyramid, and then to make however their machine was being developed, to make it work properly, we need this chamber uh, to line up perfectly like that. It's, it's fascinating. The only thing that's kind of like off is is the uh, the well, what you know, Dunn calls a drain, but you can see it there. The well kind of snakes down, and people pass by it. Um, you see, as you're going up or down the descending passage, they're off to the side. People throwing trash into it. Uh, they're in the grand gallery area. Um, it's gated off. Um, it's not accessible. But basically, you know, it drops down. There's a little grotto or chamber in there where there's nothing, but, um, you know, but it is fascinating that they have this thing that kind of snakes down through there. It's the only thing that doesn't seem to be, um, the design for it just doesn't seem perfect like everything else. So the niche here is fascinating in a couple different respects. One, it's not aligned to the center of the room. Okay. Um, and also it has this vitrification here, okay, where you can see that the stone has been melted. It's, it's, it's molten and it's scorched. It's black. You know, there's something that was very, very hot here. And I've talked kind of ad nauseum to the fact that um, this really adheres to the idea that it was a machine. Now, traditionalists will, will say that, well, you know, this was um, 
you know, a, a niche to put, you know, some sort of idol or statue or, or something like that. And again, they're liking it to something like a tomb. Okay, well, there's a couple things that are off here. If you look at other Egyptian tombs uh, around the area, um, yeah, they might have statues and idols and things like things like that, but they don't have these corbelled niches like that that they're putting them into. You know, they have them standing there in the tomb. Um, you know, there's a lot of hieroglyphs all over the walls of these tombs. There is the uh, the portal, the false doorway that is built into these tombs. And that was a very, very important part of the Egyptian belief system that uh, the, the soul, there were many, many different parts of the soul, and a couple of parts of the soul would stay here on earth after death. The other parts would go on to the constellation of Orion. The Ka and the Kabit would stay here on earth. The Kabit, the shadow, would stay on earth to roam around. We've talked about that when we've talked about shadow people. But the Ka would stick around for a while and eventually make its way to the constellation of Orion. What it would do is it would use those false uh, doors within the uh, tombs to make that journey. And they could journey back through. They could use it as a, as a way back in. But primarily it was a way for, uh, for the Ka to, to leave, meet up with Anubis, and go on to the constellation of Orion. And yeah, sometimes there were statues in these tombs for the Ka, and there's a great example of it at the Egyptian Museum in Cairo. You guys have probably seen the, uh, uh, the statue with the, with the Ka on, on the head. And I forget the name of the king off, off the top of my head. But, um, you know, people look at it like, why is his arms on top of his head? Well, that was a symbol for the Ka. Uh, but the idea was that the, the Ka, the animating part of the soul, would have the option to enter into the statue to walk around the tomb. And then eventually use that false doorway to, to move on. But again, we're not seeing any of that here in this room you know the the walls are perfectly flat except for you know you have this niche that's uh carved into here corbelled like again the grand gallery we saw examples of this in the bent pyramid and then we have on the uh on the sides the shafts that go up now the ones from the king's chamber go up and out the ones from the queen's chamber end and they have these copper handles. And we don't really know what the copper handles were for. And we'll throw this out there that copper, of course, is a fantastic conductor of electricity. So if this was part of a machine, you know, was it somehow harnessing electricity? Was it harnessing some other element? Um, you know, we see copper used in a, a lot of different applications. Now, Years ago, they had done a live stream, a live broadcast of drilling into this uh, to see what was beyond. And when they finished making the hole and were about to take a peek, the live broadcast ended. Now, they eventually released a statement saying that, well, you know, the passage went on a little bit longer and then just stopped. Okay, this is where Jin was saying, well, you know, I, I, there might be uh, other hidden chambers with that technology, and there might be. Um, we're going to 
play a clip here from Mohammed. Again, uh, we're in the Queen's Chamber with this clip uh, talking about that. So that's why we discovered, or they discovered, and it was a leak, we found huge space above the Grand Gallery, which goes, goes up. So there's another one in uh, big void. Exactly yeah, the big void. And another uh, space similar to this one in the uh, other side, close, closer to the south. This one, most of the people don't know about it. But as if we have another design on the left side of the pyramid, or the southern part of the pyramid. Because this now we are exactly under the center of the pyramid. Okay? And the king uh, chamber, so we have. Okay, here's the pyramid. And if we have, like, just this is half of the pyramid now, okay? So all this design is inside one half, the north half, the southern half, nothing. So, but now we think that there is a mirror design in the other half. Mm. Okay, so there he's talking about uh, other possible hidden chambers within the pyramid in that you know there may be maybe a symmetrical mirror image uh, on the other side of the pyramid to that. And you do see on the uh, south side of the pyramid where you know they're trying to see if there was another entrance over there and they'd removed some blocks and they hadn't found anything yet. I guess stopped either maybe lack of money or the fact that they were destroying the pyramid. You know, there it's weird because it looks like there's a scoop that's taken out of the, uh, the middle of the south side of the pyramid. Pretty strange. Um, so we know that there are other chambers that are within the pyramid. You know, we do have the uh, the, the muon testing uh, that was done that uh, discovered the void above the grand gallery. And, you know, is it, you know, people have said, well, you know, it's kind of almost in the shape of another grand gallery. To me, it would not be surprising because we have seen when it comes to the grand gallery in the way that it's constructed, if I can bring the photo up here again, here we go. Um, this is a much, much taller and bigger version of the corbelled structures that we've seen here in these pyramids. So this is in the queen's chamber. That's just in the wall. I mean, look, it is the exact same design, much bigger and much longer. And we also saw this in the bent pyramid when uh, we came down, basically it's descending passage and we had to uh, go up a little bit. And basically you had this tall shaft that the top of it was corbelled, but then off to the side was a smaller version of this corbelled structure, uh, reminiscent here of the Grand Gallery. Uh, you could even say reminiscent here of this niche uh, in the Queen's Chamber. I would say it would be deeper and maybe a little taller uh, than this one from the Queen's Chamber, and certainly not as tall or deep as, as this one from uh, the Grand Gallery. But you know, we see this type of construction within the pyramids. And if you remember what I said about the um, about the bent pyramid, I was calling that a uh, harmonic resonance machine, just because when you see those type of uh, corbels, you know, 
a lot of times that's what's that's what that is used for is um you know some sort of resonance we see that used in music with harmonics with acoustics right i could think that's the word i'm looking for <laughs> to make an acoustic chamber um that's where we see that at play and we see that in these uh in these pyramids i don't want to spend a lot in the grand gallery right now i want to come back to it later but um but we will so we got some questions here uh from the chat tom mcnicholas are the tunnels connecting the pyramids open or haven't been found yet so, yeah so there's um, you know, different rumors and stories about, uh, you know, tunnels connecting the pyramids. Um, there's a lot of speculation about a whole network of tunnels under the entire Giza plateau. Of course, there are stories about the, uh, you know, tunnels from the Sphinx up to the Great Pyramid or even the Second Pyramid, because uh, they're, they're both, they're both right there. And it'd be a long tunnel, but, um, you know, we're already seeing all kinds of fascinating uh, tunnels and structures and, and things like that around. So, um, you know, the idea that there are tunnels connecting these different things, sure. Um, they're not being very public about it, but yet we've seen different things like, uh, you know, photos of Zahi Hawass coming up out of the, uh, underneath the Sphinx. And this is after, you know, years of people saying, you know, wasn't anything under there, even though you had uh, the uh, seismic testing by Shock and West in the early 1990s, which they shut down uh, because they were finding there that, you know, there's a there's a chamber, there's a void there under the Sphinx. Of course, you had Edgar Cayce uh, talking about a, a chamber under the under the paw of the Sphinx. You have illustrations that were published in newspapers 100 years ago. You know, that showed these, uh, you know, a temple there under the Sphinx. And then, and that's kind of where people get the idea for that, that, okay, you know, you have the, uh, if you have this temple under the Sphinx, you know, there could be uh, tunnels leading back to the Great Pyramid and other areas around the plateau. And we, we know that there are other shafts uh, around the plateau. So there's, there's a lot going on. So uh, very, uh, very possibly, Tom, but um, they're not making a lot of that public. So, um, you know, Sarah's asking, was the pyramid built in a spiral? We, we really don't know. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about how the pyramid was actually built. Um, you know, was it, was it built using ramps that they built up these huge dirt ramps and dragged stuff up it? Uh, you know, was it, you know, was it the aliens? Uh, was it sound technology? that, you know, cause things to levitate, you know, we, we just don't know. And, um, you know, it, it, it's to the point right now that um, there are features within the Great Pyramid that you know, we can't do today. You know, the way some of those blocks are constructed, the, the weight of some of those things and how, you know, how it was put together, there are, there are features of it that we cannot replicate now. So for us to say, oh, we know how they did it, it's like, okay, fine, we'll go out and do it. You know, if you say you know how, then go do it. Um, so, yeah, it, everything you know that's been said about how it was constructed is a theory. We really just, uh, really just don't know. Um, let's see what else. Um, yeah, and Sarah, given the lack of ornate walls and difficulty in getting into the area, it's suggestive that those areas are not meant to be trafficked frequently. Well, yeah, exactly. No, it, it wasn't meant to be trafficked frequently. And, and 
granted, both sides of it, if it was meant to be a tomb or if it was a machine, you know, the, the inner workings of, you know, you would not frequent it a lot. But, you know, the idea with, you know, if it was a tomb, which it wasn't, um, you know, the way that they would have to drag up the body through all of this stuff. And of course, the bent pyramid made zero sense for any of that with the way you'd have to, you know, once you climbed all the way down, then you'd have to somehow hoist everything up a shaft and, you know, crawl through a tunnel. And that made no sense. A um, little bit easier here, I suppose, for the uh, for the Great Pyramid. But again, you look at this. So your original uh, entrance is the descending passage, I guess, before the granite plugs were put in. And then you'd have to drag the body all the way up. Then you have like the antechamber, which we're going to get to here in a moment, um, which you're ducking under. And then you can stand and you duck under it again. Because it's, that makes no sense. And then why, why would you even have the queen's chamber? Uh, it just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense for, for all of that. So I mentioned the antechamber. I'll go back to our illustration here again. So it's it's a feature of the Great Pyramid that not many people really talk about. King's Chamber gets all the press. People do mention the Queen's Chamber, and then the Grand Gallery because it's you know so long and massive, um, and you can get some fantastic photos with it. That gets a lot of play as well. People tend to forget the antechamber, and. You know, it's it's a small area, sure, but in order to get into the king's chamber, you have to get in, you have to walk through here. And it is one where from the grand gallery you duck under, and then all of a sudden you can stand and you have you have this. Um, and there's there's a couple of these. So um you can duck and stand, duck and stand, and then you duck again and go into the king's chamber. And so, you know, what is this? What are we looking at here? You know, we see these, um, you know, it was like drilled into this block, these, you know, half tubes, right? For lack of a better term. Um, you know, what what sort of function? Yeah, it's, I, I can't say that it's ornate. We talked earlier before, there's nothing ornate in here. This is probably, you know, aside from the, the corbelled uh, walls and ceiling of the Grand Gallery, and I guess that niche in the Queen's Chamber, there's there's been nothing you know, ornate, you know, and this is some design work, but you can't really see it from anywhere. The only way to be able to see this is to be in the little chamber itself. And there's not much room there. You know, you're, you're talking like a few feet and then you got to duck under there again. It's not, it's not wide at all. So you're not gazing upon this. You're not looking at it. Um, you know, so this had to have had some sort of function. And it is from the antechamber in which Muhammad likes to do these um, these little resonance tests from there. And so what he was doing when we were on the king's chamber, he was calling us back each individually. And you stand in there, kind of, um, you kind of hold your hands on, on the block and he'll do a um, and you can feel feel the whole thing just vibrate. Um, I've talked about drawbag and the way you could like really hear and feel the resonance, right? Um, it's like that, but massively amplified right there. It just, it, it's crazy. And when we were there, um, 
you know, a year and a half ago, almost two years now, you know, that's where I was doing the, um, the sound tests, you know, based off of the research from Tom, Tom Danley a couple decades ago, where he had determined that the Great Pyramid of Giza was tuned to the key of F sharp, which is the same as the planet and the coffer, the box within it tuned to the key of A. And so I brought with me a chromatic tuner and tuning forks. And sure enough, as Muhammad's doing the home, boom, F sharp. And the same thing in the coffer, boom, A. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is, um, this checks out. So yeah, the idea that this was used for some sort of sound, resonance, vibration, acoustics makes sense. How that operated within the machine, I don't know. Um, we're going to take a look at a couple of things here. We've got about 15 minutes uh, left. We'll kind of come back to the Grand Gallery, the antechamber, all that stuff here uh, in a little bit. So we go from the antechamber into the king's chamber. So big, massive. It's, it is quite tall and very, very bare. It, it's like you're inside a black box. And then, of course, there's like a little black box inside of it. Um, made of granite, and the granite has been blackened. So the coffer or the box is made out of rose granite. We've seen rose granite all over Egypt. It's used everywhere. Uh, of course, the obelisks are, are very famously made out of the rose granite. Uh, you know, the, the boxes at the Serapium are made out of it. A lot of uh, various different statues, uh, temples have a lot of granite mixed in, uh, especially like when you cross over a threshold, you have the Aswan rose granite. And this, yes, but it's been blackened. It's a, it's a different color. Something has happened to the chemical composition of this. And you see that throughout the king's chamber. For some reason, this granite is black. And then when you look up at the ceiling, you see, and nobody talks about this either, you, you see this rectangular pattern on each of these blocks that you see up there. You see these smaller uh, blackened areas up there um, on each one on either side. You know, what, what is going on here with that? You know, there seems to be some sort of residue there, some sort of chemical reaction happened. And I did ask Muhammad about that. I was like looking up there at this hill. I'm like, what in the world is that? We didn't have a lot of time because we were at the very end. Like I said, he was very busy doing his like little resonance thing with, with everybody. And so we only had a brief moment to talk about it. But yeah, and, and that's and that's what he says, some sort of chemical reaction. And so um, I tried to, you know, line up you know, it took some various photos and, and things like that, trying to see if it lined up with the box that's in there. And if you look at it, and this probably is not a very good photo for that, but you can see the edges of the box seem to line up very well with, uh, you know, with the ends of on either side of that, you know, of those marks on the ceiling. So something is certainly going on there. Now, I'm going to play a clip here of you know going into going into the king's chamber. Um, many of you are familiar with with this clip, um, but it does describe there uh, what's going on with the coffer, and then we get into the grand gallery.
We're in the King's Chamber in the Great Pyramid. This is a rose granite box that is extremely interesting. Not sarcophagus. And what is the purpose of this thing? What discovery did you make today? Well, the discovery that we made today, we have the three holes on the back side evenly spaced apart, but not on the front side. This is completely flat here on the back side while we have this lid. Very interesting that this is flat like that and does not have a lift like the other side. It basically suggests that there was no lift that was placed straight down. It's always more slick from the back. Alright, looking down the grand gallery. Just you know, Jen is over here, so Jen Rubush. She is. Um, even she was saying she feels like she's in a factory. And yeah, really, you know, I don't know about power plant, which is you know Christopher Dunn's idea, but definitely some sort of factory. To me, the Queen's Chamber just like epitomizes that. But even in the King's Chamber over here, the rose granite has been turned black. You have marks up on the ceiling from you know some sort of chemical reaction that was going on in there that made those marks and it looks like the, the box is nicely lined up with that. And then of course you have big resonance chambers like this. Yeah. So again I'm calling that a, a resonance chamber there because I I believe that's what it was. Um, and then, you know, when you're looking at it and when you look at the photos and even the video there, video might have a little bit of a better angle on it, but it's, it's massive. You know, Jen was in there saying that she felt like she was in a factory and, and I had to agree, you know, my, my father having worked in factories, you know, throughout his career and I, I entered into <laughs> several of those and just seeing the way the machinery worked and, um, you know, the way like different conveyors had to be settled. And that's, you know, almost kind of what I felt like there, like, you know, something was, you know, right, you know, being dragged up through here, um, almost like on a conveyor belt sort of thing. I'm probably totally wrong on that, especially since I keep calling it a resonance chamber, which is, I think is what had more to do, but, um, it's just huge and awe-inspiring and you really have to, you know, be in there, uh, you know, to get that, to get that feeling, to get that sensation and just look at it and be like, how in the world, how in the world did they engineer all of this? It's an incredible, incredible feat. Um, and yeah, there's Jen saying, um, you know, that, uh, uh it definitely does, uh, or do it justice much more awe striking in person. It does not do it justice. That is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, absolutely amazing and then you know to go back here real quick to the uh the coffer in the uh in the king's chamber you can see here and this is something that um you know i've been doing research on and you know i've been taking uh, photographs of sarcophagi all over Egypt. And when Jen and I were at the Louvre and, and all of that, you know, Jen probably thought I was nuts taking all of these photos of these different sarcophagi. And it's like, oh, I got a reason for that. And that's because of this construction here. And this is not done like any sarcophagi in Egypt. And we did discover that um, the second pyramid's coffer has the same uh, technique. But again, we don't see this in sarcophagi anywhere in Egypt, so it's, it's something else, it's something different. I didn't get a good photo of it because there's um, that one kind of has a guard that um, will try to prohibit you from taking photos, and he was he was kind of up my butt about it while some other 
sneaked photos and I have to kind of track those down. But in any case, it's the only two places that I know of so far that actually have this design. Um, you go through the Egyptian uh, Museum in Cairo, you will not find anything like this. And basically what we have here, you can see it, um, is that you know the, the back, we're, the very front of here is the backside of the box. And you can see it's very flat and smooth. You can see one of the holes there. Um, you can see the lip goes around and then you, know, you have this raised edge of the box um, and the lip is cut into it. Well, as you come around that left-hand side there, you can see that the edge of the box remains up and then the lip then becomes the backside of the box. So the back of the box is um, lower than the front. So basically what this means is that something was slid in from the back, the lid to the thing, sure was slid in from the back where every other sarcophagus, again, this was not a sarcophagus, but every sarcophagus that you find in Egypt, whether it's in um, you know, the Egyptian museum, whether it was at the Louvre, whether it was um, some sarcophagi that are still around there in the Valley of the Kings, they their lids are basically uh, placed down from the top, boom, straight down. Their lip goes all the way around perfectly. You have the sides of the sarcophagi all the same height and boom, they're just dropped down from the top. Not seen any that are pushed in from the side. Yet there in the king's chamber in the Great Pyramid of Giza, you have this thing being pushed in from the backside. Same thing with the second pyramid. And what's, what's interesting um, about that is the, um, you know, the construction of of these pyramids that um, they were all related to each other. So yes, there are gonna be things about the second pyramid that are related to uh, the first one. They were connected. Remember, these are all set up in like the constellation of Orion. In fact, Jen got a fantastic photo of the constellation of Orion perfectly placed right above the Great Pyramid of, of Giza on our way out. It's amazing. Um, but even like the, the uh, the casing stones. Okay. So the, uh, the great pyramid was all white limestone. Okay. The second pyramid was half and half. So there's still some of the white limestone at the top. The bottom was granite. So you had a half and half limestone and granite. The third pyramid, the smaller one was all granite. So yeah, there is definitely a specific design uh, created for all of that. So for the devices inside, the boxes inside, to have that similar design, that makes sense. But again, these are sarcophagi, and they're supposed to be, you know, burial chambers for kings and all that sort of thing. Then why are they different than every other tomb throughout Egypt? See, that part doesn't make any sense. Okay. I have a few minutes left here, and there are some other areas around the plateau that are definitely related um, that I wanted to, to get to. So outside the Great Pyramid, but still around the area um, that are important and are, you know, fascinating other, you know, hidden secrets of the area. And this first one is, is kind of a fun one. Did you know that the Great Pyramid of Giza has mermaids? of mermaid. Mermaid? Yes. The, the word in Arabic language, they call it mermaid. 
I know it's not the Hollywood movie. Okay. Okay. But this in, in the I was trying to find the English word for that. Okay. It is the the sea line, but not the regular sea line uh, in uh, North European and Atlantic. No, it is a kind of of an uh, how do you call it sea cow. Sea, you know, have you heard about the yeah, sea, sea cow? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And it has the same style of human chest. So these are the ribs of the chest. Yeah, it's pretty cool, pretty fascinating. But uh, and this is like within 50 feet of the Great Pyramid. That you know, this is a it's limestone bedrock, and limestone is a sedimentary rock. So this is um, you know an ancient seafloor. So at some point in time, a sea lion had perished there. The limestone became uh, sediment, and then you know over the course of yeah, quite a few years, <laughs> the waters receded, it became land, and then over time it became this limestone uh, you know, bedrock base for the Giza Plateau. And now back in the day when the, uh, when the pyramid was in its heyday, they put other blocks on top of this, okay? There was a uh, floor, for lack of a better term, uh, around the Great Pyramid. So this would have been covered up anyway. But to me, it's just fascinating that, you know, after that, all that was uncovered that, you know, you can see how ancient all of this is when you have fossils just right out in the open. They're 50 feet uh, from the Great Pyramid. So also around the Great Pyramid, we see, um, you know, the interlocking blocks that actually have a functionality to go along with uh, with the Great Pyramid, uh, that basically are acting like shock absorbers. So I'll let uh, Mohammed again explain this. This is a very strange block. It's a block of eight sides. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Why they design a block with eight sides, like a puzzle shape? and we it's surrounded by six blocks and why we don't see two blocks are the same we don't have any twin blocks here every block is different design from the other why they made this they say this is interlocking design okay good why they say to resist the vibrations from earthquakes do we have earthquakes in egypt no in the last 2000 years we have only three earthquakes but the word vibrations is perfect, but not from earthquakes. From what? Machine. From the machine. Yeah, so the idea there is in a you know regularly constructed building out of blocks, if they are all just you know, neatly kind of stacked there or whatever, um, over time from the vibrations, you know, you're gonna end up with uh the gaps, the the blocks will start to separate from each other and you'll end up these gaps and openings and eventually your construction will uh, will fall. But if you interlock it together, you're not going to have that. So, um, you know, as things kind of shake, there's nowhere for the blocks to go because they're all uh, interlocked together. So it's a great design. But yeah, like Mohammed said, they, they really don't have a lot of earthquakes there. I mean, anywhere in the world can get an earthquake. But you don't really find those in Egypt at all. So um, this is because of, of the machine. So also along the uh, plateau right, right around there, 
you have the the ancient saw marks and so this uh, when we talk about the ancient machining now, uh, you know, the traditionalists will tell you, well, it was stone and copper tools. Well, yeah, but you can't make perfectly, uh, you know, perfect lines into things like basalt with, you know, stone or copper tools. Um, you know, we're talking like diamond tip saw sort of thing. So we're going to see that uh, some of that here in in this particular clip. It's absolutely smooth in there, isn't it? Just absolutely. Right. And if you if you look close, you see what I call it the styrations again. But these lines inside, but it shows that it was a disc blade. Yeah, it is a straight cut, but from because of a disc. Because the disc is the one can go in and come out from uh, the surface this way. Yeah, don't lose your card, Mohammed. <laughs> what? Don't lose your card. No, no, what? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty deep. Almost the, all the cards <laughs> So that is not a boat bit. They say it was made to look like a boat. No, this was the base of the sole. Yes. Of the one? The sole. Sole? Yes. The sole, the, the machine. Okay, so a couple of different things there. And again, I know we're getting down to, well, I, mean, I think we're over time at this point, but, um, you know, to, to get into the cuts. So, um, yeah, this would be, again, like diamond tip saw to be able to cut into basalt, granite, diorite. Um, yeah, and, and those are perfectly straight, perfectly cut. And you're seeing these threes. In other locations, it is one. In other ones, you see more um you know of these cuts like that and when he's talking about the striations so this is um he has a much longer bigger explanation but basically you know the spinning of the saw we take like a circular saw you know there's so many revolutions uh per minute uh, rpms well with the uh when you take a look at a striation off of a uh, off of a circular saw you can you know basically see how many you know rpms that is because of how many striations there are but with these cuts it's one it's as if whatever they were using had one simple cut and done you know just one simple rotation and there it was um which is kind of amazing now as far as the pits he was talking about um so dunn's idea and muhammad agrees with this is that those pits housed uh, massive, huge saws that were used to cut the blocks to make the pyramids. And there's there's three of these pits there, um, and you know I, I I do believe some sort of machine, part of a workshop area, to to aid in all that. Saws, I I don't know, I, I really don't know that because you know, and I don't believe it was boats. Yes, there were boat. They found boats that were buried there, and. Um, but it, it doesn't, they've kind of made like a boat shape around it, but that's not original. Um, you don't see other features that you would need for the saw. You know, you're you're going to have that saw um, some sort of, you know, cylinder, right? Uh, to be able to spin the thing. And you don't find really that component there. And where would have been the machine that would have powered the saw blade you know so would that have fit a saw blade 
yeah, the rest of the machine, I'm not really seeing that there. And then, you know, there's kind of a ramp down into it. And then the other side is, you know, like a little bit of a cliff. So I, I do believe something was going on down in there. Something to aid in the construction and machining of it, probably. And uh, to me, I'm jury still out for me on it being a saw, but I can't say no either. You know, and uh, again, you know, we talked about, okay, construction of the pyramid. There are a lot of different theories, which weren't the right one. I can't say no to a lot of them because, you know, there are you know, many things we yet don't know about it. So it's okay, fine. It's a possibility. I'm, I'm just not exactly there with it yet. Um, but it's still very, very fascinating, very interesting. All right, one more thing. And this was actually, as we were coming down from the second pyramid, um, to me, this was, was fascinating. There are these, um, these older uh, temples that are there, and I didn't really get a good wide shot of it. You know, I, I got a close-up here just to, you know, get a photo of the weathering. You can see the wind weathering damage on, on these blocks here. Um, but this just, the size of these stones and the size of these blocks is just breathtaking. Here we go. The edge. Okay, come on, Will. So let's try to find the second side of this uh, stone. Can you see any cut? Do you see any cut? Do you? Yes or no? This is one block, my friends. This is one stone. We talk about 12 meters. How is this in comparison to uh, the Trollathan at Baalbek? Uh, the one in Baalbek is bigger. Wow. Yes. Okay. The one in Baalbek, I think, but not like. Okay, because I haven't seen that with my own eyes yet. I've just seen, you know, ah, you know, videos and photos. I was standing and, above the one in Balbek. Balbek is bigger than this. Yes, bigger Ooh. than this. The one in Balbek close to the uh, unfinished office. Right, yes. yeah. So it is like 1.5% one, uh, 1. Uh, extra. Okay. okay but this is still, yes. This is the base and this is the top. I mean... Just, and, and that's what it takes really is standing there next to these things because that just blew my mind. You know, how long that is, you know, 12 meters, 36 feet. Okay. 36 feet long. It's tall. It's deep. It's like, how in the world did they move that thing? And Baalbek is bigger. The unfinished obelisk, you know, thinking about it now. Yeah, um, longer. I don't. I don't think it was wider, um, but but longer. It's like, oh my gosh, that is just massive. I, it, it's it's. I had I had to show that because um, it just it really makes you question. You know, how did they do those things? Because there's no way. There's no way we're doing that now. Uh, we we don't have cranes that would would pick up that 
sort of stuff. And that's the thing. We do not have the technology to be able to do a lot of this stuff that they were able to do. A um, couple of comments here, Sarah, any type of machine will require maintenance. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea of, um, you know, that, that passage that was made Were they, you know, was, did something happen to the machine that um, they broke into there to try to fix it and then, you know, sealed it back up with the casing stones or whatever. And um, we, we don't know. Um, but there, you know, access to be able to, to get in there and fix the machine. Sure. And then also uh, Sarah here, uh, does anyone else see the wave pattern in the wall? Yeah, that, that's kind of interesting. That's the, um, uh, the weathering pattern from, uh, from the wind, the wind and the sand, uh, you know, kind of creating that pattern. And, and basically, you know, that's different than what you see down there at, at the Sphinx. That I'll tell you right there. Um, you know, the uh, very, very different than the weathered channeling that you see, which is obviously uh, water damage down there around the the Sphinx enclosure, uh, where this is, uh, you know, that's certainly from from the wind. But um, yeah, absolutely fascinating. There are so many things going on there, just there, you know, at the Great Pyramid. And that's like one location in Egypt, and there's so much going on there. So I had an alabaster primer that I was going to play if we didn't have enough time and we ran over, <laughs> which is fine. Um, the alabaster stuff is on my, uh, on my social media. You can find that on my Facebook. I think I might've posted it a couple other places, but, um, this was a little bit longer and I'll, I'll probably end up putting that whole thing out there in the connected universe, uh, portal, which, well, yeah, I will at some point. Um, a lot of that stuff is going to be uploaded here over the next, uh, few weeks. So be on the lookout for all of that. All right. I want to thank everybody very much for joining us this evening. For those listening to the podcast version of this later, please every week join us. Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. And then you, too, can watch all the uh, videos, catch the slideshow, interact with, uh, with us in the chat, ask your questions, and all of that wonderful stuff. All right, everybody. Until next time, time really exists. <laughs>